Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. We're here on Father's Day and and looking at our series uh, of information that we should continue to be in a place of being formed by God. Uh, Today on Father's Day, we're going to be looking, and the the title of our sermon is called Unforming Opinions, Um, because opinions exist. Our own opinions exist, and they begin to shift, and and we can have a lot of good things that we want to emulate. We can be a lot of negative things we want to make sure we avoid, and, and there's just all of this pressure, and there's just all this stuff, and, and one of the key things that's universal to, to every dad and to every person, but here on Father's Day, we're just going to give a little extra props to some dads, and, but every, every dad wants, wants to be loved and, and wants to be respected, and there's this pressure to be this kind of person that you think people will honor, people will respect, people people will love, and and all of these different forms and all of these different things that we can begin to adhere to, and and all of these pressures of opinions, outside opinions and inside opinions that can begin to to shift us and and form us and, and mold us. And so this morning, what we want to do is recognize those pressures. We want to break those forming opinions off and let God be the one who really forms us as we stay in formation with him. Let's go ahead and open your bulletin. Let's go ahead and open up your app if that's what you're going to track with. And we've looked at this for the last six weeks, that to to truly move forward in God, we must let him form our lives. And we've looked at Romans 8.28. And Romans 8.28 is the space where we can relegate it to to the ugly moments of our life and invite that in to God turning those things to good, and he will. But we need to make sure that we understand that this is actually an everyday part of life. Romans 8, 28 is everything. It says, and we know that in all things, that means every day, all the time, not just in the ugly things, but in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And I've loved the way the Eugene Peterson puts this in the message translation. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored, and we see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. And so we get into that place where then we're like, okay, well, here we come, and we, we've established multiple times that, that we come to God, and, and we'll, we can come to him a mess. We can come to him and put ourselves in his hands just, the way we are. We don't have to conform to something else before we allow God to form us. Whatever's going on in life, whatever thing has gone on recently or years ago or any of that, we can bring all of it, put it right in God's hands the way we are, and he begins 
to shape us if we'll let him. And he'll begin to, to mold us and transform us and form us more and more into the image of his son. The problem is, is we don't do this in a vacuum. And so I've got a couple of volunteers who are going to come up here right quick. And so the problem is, is that we're not by ourselves. There's, there's, there's other people. There's other people in our lives. And, and so and sometimes other people begin to have influence and maybe they think they know and see some potential in us and they begin to have their thoughts, their ideas begin to form us. And then we begin to have some sort of thing that begins to take on its own life based on the pressures and the ideas and the thoughts and the opinions of one person. And then maybe another person comes into our life and they have an idea of what it should be. And then all of a sudden it begins to shift and transform and begin to have this other set of opinions and everything begins to take on its own space because they see a potential. They see something that maybe needs a little this or a little that and they begin to have their desires and their ways and their opinions. And it could be our family, it could be our coworkers, it um, it, it could be all sorts of people. It could be our, our, our spouse could begin to come in and try to pressure. And then it begins to look entirely different. And what ended up being the case is the, the ball that this person saw a potential of the starfish that this person saw a potential of that there was actually some pieces of each that could have been at work and the roundness of the ball, the things of the starfish. And we actually, what should have been formed was a sad looking turtle. Thank you guys. That we see these elements, and somebody just sees a piece and then immediately goes, oh, 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 you'd be so good at this, and begins to have their opinions take off. And then somebody sees another element, and they go, oh, no, 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 I, I distinctly see this in your life, and, and begin to put this in there. And really, there may be just aspects of the overall picture that God is wanting to do in your life. And we have to make sure that we let God be the one who's in the driver's seat of this thing. See, being formed by the Holy Spirit means not being formed by the opinions of others. Not being formed by the opinions of others. See, we have this weird headspace that no one wants to be average, but everyone wants to be considered normal. We don't want to be considered out of the norm. But we, yet we don't want to be average either. And this, there is this tension here. And what this is, is a tension between the uniqueness that God created you to be and the love that he created you to thrive in. And then there is this tension between the two. And as sometimes as we begin to be in the unique creation God called us to be, it causes some people to not give us the love that we are wired 
to live on. And we can have this space because there's so many times that people only get what they, what they see and hear and can connect with. They don't get the fullness of who we are. Even in this space, we don't get the fullness of who each other is. Now, I've been in ministry with my wife for 27 years now. We just celebrated 27 years. Started out as a janitor slash pastor in training. And I cleaned toilets for years and, and mopped floors for years and hauled out trash for years and simultaneously made disciples and poured into to teenagers and, and helped to, to develop and make disciples and preach the gospel. And I had both of those roles. And, and um, part of my job was cleaning a Christian school and part of the teenagers that had influence on it attended that Christian school. So it was very common for them to see me look like a janitor. So I sit there and had my, just my work clothes on. I had a bunch, always had a bunch of trash bags in my back pocket. I had a big old trash bag I'd haul around and dump everything in and trying to work and be efficient and take care of business. And as I would see young people, man, I just began to, to connect with them. And, and even though I was janitor slash pastor in training, they always saw me as Pastor Brandon. And I got treated like Pastor Brandon. Although janitor work is, is ministry and service and it's honorable and it should be that sadly human opinion plays a role. And, and they always treated me on that space of Pastor Brandon. Um, but one day came along that all of a sudden something shifted. And there was a little window because fourth grade Brandon was not very nice one day. And uh, back in, on uh, Goliad Elementary in Odessa, Texas. And uh, back in the day, lunch boxes were not these kind, gentle, sweet, squishy lunch boxes. They were old school metal lunch boxes. Anybody remember the old school metal lunch box? Um, and so these were old school metal lunch box. You cannot beat anybody up with a new lunch box. But those old lunch boxes, they were hardcore. They, you, could, you could do some hurt on somebody. So we leave lunch, and, and I responded in an inappropriate way to the young lady walking in front of me, and I gave her a goose on the hiney. I, I, I pinched her rear. Inappropriate. And yeah. <laughs> I was in the fourth grade. I'm sorry. I didn't know about you. It's a personal regret. And her father was a good daddy and taught her well because she had the right response. And she had a metal lunchbox. And she turned around and she busted me in the face with it. And this tooth is fake. This is a fake tooth. Because of me goosing that girl. And as a dad of four girls, I'm like, that's exactly the right response. I'd want my girls to grab something metal and hit them in the face. It's just, that's the response. No discussion. Grab something metal, hit them in the face. And that's what happened to me. And so this tooth is fake. Well, as I was janitor, um, and so for whatever reason, I'm not normally a, like a lollipop person. I don't know if somebody gave it to us or whatnot. Does anybody remember those Astro Pops? They were kind of pointed, super sticky. They were red, green, and kind of clearish. The three layers had a little wax deal at the bottom, and, and they were super sticky. And you could like drag it out, like make little loops with it, but it was crazy sticky. So I happened to have one of those in my mouth, 
I had to do something that required both hands. So I have the Astro Pop, and I knew it was sticky because you try to bite on that, and your teeth would get stuck in it. And so I just barely had it in my teeth, just real barely. You did my thing with my two hands, and so I was able to pull And then my teeth, slowly the pressure went in, and my teeth were stuck in that Astro Pop. They were stuck. And so I sit there and pop my bottom jaw out, and it is stuck in my two front teeth. And I was sitting there going, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I forgot about pinching that girl. And I just pulled. And I popped that out, and I looked down, and there's my tooth in the Astro Pop. Well, I was fairly newly married, had a little son. Keenan is still a little, little guy. Didn't have dental insurance, didn't have any extra stuff. So we're like, okay, we're going to have, didn't know about this, didn't plan on, you know, popping my own tooth out. And um, so we had to save up some money. So I went six, seven weeks before we was able to get this thing fixed. So now I was the exact same guy, okay? Always been treated intelligently. I came to Angelo State on a full-ride academic scholarship. Um, I'm just not an unintelligent person. Um, I've always was treated intelligently. But now, all of a sudden, I'm Brandon Clark, the exact same guy, missing a front tooth. And I kid you not, People that loved me, people that knew me, people that respected me started treating me different. People started talking slower to me. (laughs) My IQ dropped like 30 points, just poop. And people were like, you're kind of dumb. Are you, why don't you go pick up some trash? And, And so, and it was just, and all of a sudden, and so I sit there and I had never experienced Someone responding to me that I knew of based on some sort of appearance that they did not approve of. And then all of a sudden now, their interactions, these are people who love me and I love them. These were good church ministry people. And all of a sudden just that visual began to shift things. And then all of a sudden for this, it just really frustrated me and I was like, You know, oh my gosh, this place. And you know what? All of a sudden I realized that there are people who have lived their whole lives with something that they can't control, that is outside of some sort of cultural norm or falls into some place of bigotry or racism or some other predetermined thing and have been treated less than who they were their whole lives. My hearts began to break because there are so many people who've just not been given a fair shake. Not been given a fair shake simply because of people forming instant opinions, instant ideas. Good people. Good people. But this this thing in the back of our mind that's just at work and informing these different things causes these malformed opinions to well up, and then those things begin to pressure us. And all of a sudden, I felt the pressure of other people's thoughts and opinions towards me. Really sweet Christian dentist was able to patch my tooth up and get me back going, and sure enough, yeah, I was smart again. All of a sudden, it was now everything was back to normal, and and there's this place where it was just like this unwanted experiment 
that just all of a sudden came along and began to shift. And we need to understand that the only thing, the only thing that's going to allow us to not be formed by this continual current of other people's opinions, we can't get out of it. We can't isolate ourselves from it. We can't get out of the flow of it. But what we can do is hold one opinion so high that their others don't matter. And as we begin to elevate that one opinion, God's opinion so high that then his flow begins to counteract every other flow. Galatians chapter 1 verse 10 says, am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Trying to please others is going to get in the way of you being who God's called you to be. It's going to. You will not step into the fullness. Paul knew it. He said, if I was trying to make people happy, I couldn't be a servant of Christ. I can't do it. So I have to do it. And guess what? There are people who are going to look at you sideways, people who aren't going to understand you, people who are not going to get you, and you're going to have to say, you know what? I hold God's opinion higher than any other opinion, and you're, you're just going to have to take it up with him. You're going to have to take it up with him. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Proverbs 29, 25 in the message translation says, The fear of human opinion disables, and trusting in God protects you from that. Deciding to trust him and trust him the most is what begins to protect us from that flow. See, don't be formed by what other people think of you. You can't be. 1 Corinthians 4.3 says, I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. And some of the hardest opinions to break free from are not the opinions of everybody else, but it's the opinions that you have of you. This is where body dysmorphia comes from. Somebody goes to the gym, they work out, everybody else tells them they look good and they stand in front of a mirror and their eyes gravitate to whatever part of their body they don't quite like yet. Whatever piece of it, oh, my ankles are so fat, get over yourself. You do. You have to get over yourself. Yourself is in the way. Yourself is what's tripping you up. The way you think about yourself is the problem. You need to let God to begin to come in and say, no, you are a beautiful creation. I love you. I created you. You are fully accepted. You can go to the gym and be healthy. You can go to the gym and take care of this temple so you can live a long life, so you can fulfill your destiny. You don't got to go to the gym so you can get somebody to nod off on your body shape. You can go to the gym so you can be a good steward of what you've been given. You can eat right so you can be a good steward so that all these systems who work on the stuff we stick in our mouths be able to function at their highest peak capacity. Not so that we can post something on Instagram and get some likes and some inappropriate DMs. This is what we need. This is, we need to be freed from that. 1 Corinthians 4.3 says, it matters very little to me. This is the message translation, same passage. What you think of me, even less where I rank in popular opinion. I don't even rank myself. Comparison in these matters are pointless. 
The message translation also has James 2.1. says, my dear friends, don't let public opinion influence how you live out our glorious Christ-originated faith. And then 1 Thessalonians 2.4 says, on the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. Let him be the one who looks into your heart and say, this is of me and that's not. Let's pluck that out. Let's prune that off. Let's get that into a different space. Let him be the one to do it because the truth is that everybody's doing it to one another, consciously and subconsciously, tweeting and subtweeting. It's all over the place. And we need to make sure that we stay in God's flow. See, we have to love the approval of God more than the opinions of others. See, we're all going to choose to try to be able to please somebody, others, ourselves, or God. The only peace that exists is in choosing to let God begin to be the one who speaks into our lives. Him to be the one who begins to guide us. And that is why we have to, and we chose a long time ago here to hold to the ideal. And I say ideal because we are still 12 years into this trying to figure this out. Because this is so big, but it is so liberating, and the enemy fights it so hard. But we hold to the truth of radical patience with each other. Radical patience. You know what radical patience tries? Your patience. You know what radical patience messes with? Your patience. It shows how impatient you are when you're trying to live in radical patience. But we need radical patience. Why? Because we can decide, oh, you know what? Um, you ought to be, you'd be a wonderful starfish. You'd be a wonderful starfish. I really think you'd be real starfishy. You'd be the starfishiest starfish that ever starfished. And then we begin to try to put people into those things. And we embrace them and say, come as you are. Now, I'll show you how to become. And church after church, ministry after ministry, right here, right here, it happens too. It seeps in. And we have to remind ourselves. See, Paul says, I don't care about the judging of others. I don't even judge myself. And that's why we have to keep pulling ourselves back to the space of not getting and judgy on each other, not judging each other's journey. Let's hold to the truth of what the gospel says. And the gospel has taken us into Jesus. It's not that anything goes. That is not it. If it doesn't look like Jesus, it don't go. But we all don't look like Jesus yet. So we all have stuff we've got to put up with in the process. You get what I'm saying? We're all moving forward in Christ's likeness. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. It says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with all the knowledge of his will through the spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. Now that sounds pretty weighty and heavy, okay? Live a life worthy of the Lord. I'm gonna look and see if you're worthy. I'm gonna see. Live a life worthy of the Lord. They please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened. This is the key to it. All of that heavy stuff that sounds oppressive, 
It's not. It's natural. It begins to work in our lives. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He's the one that does it. It's his glorious power. It's he's the one that works. Where does this bearing fruit come from? Letting his thoughts, his opinions, his ideas flow to us and out of us. That's where it comes from. Not us trying to bear fruit for God. It's God bearing fruit in us. That's where the transformation comes from. It's not us being able to go out and do some glorious work for God. It's God doing some glorious work in us. And as he begins to do that, the rest of it begins to naturally come together. It begins to just naturally flow. Here on Father's Day, um, then as lots of fathers do, um, feel the compulsion to provide, uh, to care for, to, to, you know, provide a roof over the head and necessities and some wants here and there and, and then being called to ministry and working in ministry, then the pressure to just work a lot um, has kind of always been there. Um, always had side hustles because we got a big family, so always done some real estate stuff and stuff on the side. And, and so, um, you know, you got to work in the ministry, and then you work in the evenings and the weekends on the side hustle, and, and you do these different things. And through the years, I have not been the best at work-life balance um, and had had lots of conversations with Cutie um, through the years of her saying, uh, hey, you know, you're a dad, you're a husband, you know, you, you can't go at this pace. And it was always, let me finish this. I, I get, let me just get through this project and we'll be okay. And like, let me just get through this. And, and so I remember years ago, we were having a, uh, a real point of intense fellowship, as we like to call it. And um, so it was intense. And so as we were doing that, and I, she was frustrated, I was frustrated. Um, she, I, could, I knew what she was saying and I knew she was right, but I felt all of these other pressures um, on me that kept gravitating me. I'd be good for a week or two and, and be able to do some things and I would just find myself back into just working too much. And she, we'd had the same conversation over and over and she was getting tired of having that conversation. And I was getting tired of forcing her into that conversation. And so I sat down and, and I could not figure out a way for her to understand that I heard what she was saying and I cared and I wanted to make some positive changes. I wanted to be able to do that. I wanted some accountability. I wanted to be able to have some measurables and, and, and all, sadly almost turn that into one of my projects that then I had my things, my tasks, my measurables. My, I felt like I could win. And um, so I go and sit down and I get pad and paper and, and I make a list. And I make a list of the things I'm gonna stop doing and I make a list of the things I'm gonna start doing. And I'm, I'm gonna this, this, this from being at home at this time and, and doing these things and all of this stuff. And, and I felt 
I felt really good about it. I felt like, you know, I n- never made a list. I never done this. I never said, okay, this is what you can actually see these thoughts and what I mean and not just I, I get you. And, and so I, I felt like I was doing really good. And I take my list and I was like, hey, babe, I hear you, babe. I see you, babe. I, I, I want to do better. Here's, here's this. Here's, here's, my, here's my commitment to you. I put it down on paper. This is what I'm going to stop doing. This is what I'm going to start doing. And she takes it and she looks at it. She goes, seriously? Seriously? This is what you think I want? You think I want some sort of leverage over you or some sort of place that I, I can call you back to this thing and say, you, you've blown it on this one. Here, fix it on this one to do this. She's like, oh, all I ever wanted was for you to just think about me. Just consider me. When you're planning your day, think about me. So that, that'll fix it. It's so true. See, we've done this with God. See, the Ten Commandments, they were not God's idea. God called the people of Israel to himself. He said, come up here. Animals aren't allowed to come up here. They can't come up here. You come up here. And his presence on the top of that mountain was intimidating. It was intimidating. And they didn't want it. And they said, you know what? That scares us. A real, dynamic, life-giving relationship, it's unnerving. We lack our measurables. Say, we'll send Moses up. He'll meet with you, and you tell us what's required. So Moses goes up. The Ten Commandments is born. And my list, which was a lot longer than ten, was all good stuff. It was all stuff I should have been doing. The Ten Commandments is all stuff that reflects loving God and loving others. Every one of them reflects loving God and loving others. But what he had wanted all along, the Scripture said, is to, is to have his word written on our hearts. All cutie wanted was to just be written on my heart. And if I'm written on your heart, it, it'll naturally work. And God just wants to be written on our hearts. And this person and that person is trying consciously or subconsciously to write on your heart their opinions, their thoughts, those, all of those things. And God wants to be able to just wipe that away and be the one that only he has written on your heart. As we begin to step into that and recognize who he is and what he's done in our life, it changes everything. See, Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He's a rewarder. He's not a punisher. He wants to be a blessing in our lives. See, being formed by the grace we have in Christ is the only way to really be a God-pleaser. Philippians 2.13 says, it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. He's the one who does it. He works in us to want it and then to live it out. But we have to let him do it. That's why religion is exhausting. Religion is exhausting. But life in Christ, it's rest. It's peace. And if you're not finding rest and peace in your relationship with God, maybe you ought to say, God, 
how can I do this better? Because it'll be rest and it'll be life and it'll be peace. John chapter five, verse 30 says, by myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear and my judgment is just for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Our bottom line this morning is this. Let God free you from the cage of people's opinions, even your own opinions. See, God wants us to be continually formed by him and him alone. And the only way that happens is when we hold him up. That's why when that list of 10 came down, he said, have no other gods before me. It's not because he says, you better put me first. He says, because the life you're called to live only works if you look to me first. That's it. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.